You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Well, welcome to the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about this thing that God does concerning His covenant people. He takes their curses and turns them into blessings. And we've done a study of that. We've uh, taken a look at 15 different places in the Old Testament where this actually happened. And now we're going to jump into the New Testament. And the linchpin of all of these, not just the New Testament version uh, uh, events, but the Old Testament as well, they all hinge on the curse that was leveled against Messiah and how he reversed it. And all of those things in the Old Testament where there were victories, they were done based upon what Christ would do for the whole of the human race, and especially the seed of Abraham, uh, when he would come and give his life. The redemption that Christ wrought actually set the stage for all of these to be fulfilled. So let's take a look at it and remember our text verse, Nehemiah 13.2, How be it? Our God turned the curse into a blessing. Now, Christ told his enemies that his resurrection would be a sign to them. And I want to read to you from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, and uh, we'll start at verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, or the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He said, you've asked me for a sign. I'm going to give you a sign. Now this is incredible. Because uh, they asked this question as if Christ had done nothing supernatural. He had been doing signs all along. It just wasn't the sign they wanted to see. So he finishes up a teaching here in Matthew 12, same chapter, verse 8. He said, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, Jesus had to demonstrate that he was God in the flesh. And it was God who ordained the weekly Sabbath in the very beginning in creation. And by the way, Christ was part of that. The world was created by him. So it is no accident that he says the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, and he comes to demonstrate this. Now when he had departed from there, Matthew 12, 9, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? They wanted to accuse him. He knew they were going to accuse him, and uh, he didn't back away. He went ahead and did something, though he knew it would cause an uproar. Then he said, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit, 
on the Sabbath will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Of course, everyone there knew what the answer to that was. Yes, they would all do that. And yes, it was permissible, even with their tradition. He said, of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? And that speaks to even today. Uh, So many people would equate animals with humans. Jesus said, of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. That, that was an incredible miracle. This guy had been like this uh, for years. They would have all known that. And for him to be immediately healed like that, not just healed, but supernaturally restored, this is the gift of the working of miracles. Uh, and so it's, it's fascinating how it worked. No telling what all had to be created to make his hand work like that. Then it says, then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. So he, he gave them a sign. They, asked, they were going to ask for it later, but this is him giving them a sign. Now look at verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, that they were going to try to destroy him, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed them, and he healed them all. So it really is ludicrous that they ask him for a sign because the signs were everywhere all the time. And he did say, I will indulge you. I will give you the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, his resurrection was the sign that he referred to. He said Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and nights, and so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And he's saying, I'm going to give you this sign. Peter boldly, on the day of Pentecost, tied the crucifixion of Christ and his resurrection to this event. Acts 2, 22, 23, 24. Let's read it. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. Make no mistake, this is where it comes from, of Nazareth. That was a slam. They had used it as a slam because he wasn't from Bethlehem. Although he was born there, they didn't acknowledge that. They wanted to point out he came out of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. It was undeniable. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Crucifixion was not a martyrdom. It was not an accident. It was not something unfair that happened to Messiah. It was unfair, uh, but God had a purpose in all of it. He said, you have taken by lawless hands have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And so he wanted to point them to the fact that you hated him and you sought to kill him. You finally did, but this is something you did from the very beginning. Here it is in John 5, 18. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, and we had record of that in the story we read in Matthew 12, but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. If he's who he said he was, he had to assert that. And that's why he said the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. 
So the high priest was so bold as to actually prophesy. And this is one of those situations that's very much like a character we read about in the book of Numbers. This is like Balaam. He was a spiritual medium. Uh, He cursed different people by different gods. Uh, He could switch over and try to prophesy by the God of Israel if he wanted to. Uh, it would have been a false prophecy. But when he did that, God intervened and wouldn't allow him to do anything but speak blessing. And so finally, he had to resort to telling the king of Moab, look, I can't prophesy against these people. Every time I open my mouth concerning them, blessing comes out. So if you want to cause them to stumble and get them in trouble, uh, have them eat meat, sacrificed to idols, and have your women seduce them into sexual sin. And that's exactly what happened, and that's why he's condemned. Jesus himself condemned him in the book of Revelation. Now, as we look at this, it says in John eleven forty nine, and one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, that in itself is a slam against the law. The high priest was appointed for life. Not just for a year, but this was a political accommodation supervised by the Romans. So the hypocrisy is just neck deep. And one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now, this he did not say on his own authority, but being the high priest that year, He prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Wow. Uh, This is a picture of the murder that they had in their heart, and yet even though they did, God moved on this high priest as he is talking about the murder of Christ, and he prophesies that it will be a substitutionary death. He he would not have said that on his own. He was going to talk about the killing of Jesus, but as he started talking, the Holy Spirit took him to this very clear and very pronounced statement. He will be a substitute for the people of Israel, not only Israel, but for people everywhere. So this is a prophecy, very much like what happened with Balaam. He wanted to curse Israel, couldn't do it. He started blessing Israel. This is what Jesus did. Now, this curse that they prophesied over Jesus, saying that he should die, amounts to a judicial curse. It's an official curse by the people in charge, the leaders. Isaiah 53, verse 4 says this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Christ, and yet he said, this is why he will do the work that he does. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. In other words, even though he was suffering for us, we looked at it as though he is being judged by God. And that's the take that the majority of the people had when Christ was on the cross, that he's being judged, he's a curse by God. Now, even though the Romans were the ones to carry out the crucifixion, Israel's chief priests and the majority of her leaders 
pushed for his death. Not all did. And not all the Jewish people wanted to see him crucified. In fact, that's why they had to have the trial at night, is because there would have been an uprising had they tried to take him in the middle of the day in front of all the people, because there are a number of people who believed on him. Now, here's what I want you to see from all of this. Uh, Later on, uh, just Jews only would stone Stephen. The Romans had nothing to do with it, and they said, well, we can't actually have anybody uh, killed. They could stone. They did stone. They did stone Stephen. But they couldn't crucify anybody, and crucifixion was the prophetic word about the death of Messiah. He had to be crucified. From the very outset of God giving types and shadows to uh, us in the law of Moses, and it goes all the way back to the trees in the Garden of Eden, the salvation of man, rather the uh, righteousness of man, the authority and dominion of man was lost on a tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden. Therefore, it had to be won back through a tree. And that's why the cross was so important. When God gave Moses the rite of Passover, the lamb's blood was taken and brushed vertically on the doorpost and across the top on the lintel. So the blood of Christ was symbolically revealed through that Passover lamb, and it was both vertical, which applies to our relationship with God, and horizontal, which means that we are made right with man. And so that's where Jesus had to become the curse. All right, he was cursed for us. This is an amazing thing. Now, Christ asked the Father to forgive them for the sin of crucifying him, and God did. Uh, So anybody who comes back and says, oh, we hate the Jews, they crucified the Lord, you don't bring that up. We all crucified the Lord. Uh, We can't be hard on any group of people. It was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. And so anti-Semitic people would all try to lay it at the feet of uh, the, the Jews. Had we been there, we'd have done the same thing. Our sins nailed him to the cross. Now, had we been there in our sinful state, I should predicate it with that. All right, the curse was turned into a blessing at the resurrection. So here's where God flipped it. And this is Colossians chapter 1, verses 18, 19, and 20. I'm going to read uh, quite a few verses here. Let's keep going. And this is New Living Translation. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the first of all who will rise from the dead, so he's first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and by him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. So Jesus was not a martyr. This was purposely done. He was God's representative in perfect obedience to God going to the cross. Colossians 2, 13, 14, 15. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. That would be the law. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. And this way, God disarmed the evil rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them in the cross of Christ. In other words, when Jesus died, he died as a representative for the entire human race by rising from the dead. He is rising as a representative for the whole human race 
And uh, we are not automatically forced into accepting this. We have to choose to believe it. But Jesus became our representative. And what did he do for us? It was amazing. So Jesus took something that was an awful curse, cursed as much as any man ever was cursed. And yet he completely reversed it and turned it. That's an amazing thing. It's all the time we have for this lesson, but we'll pick up here tomorrow. And I hope you'll join me then. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below? And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below are going to myfaithroots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.